Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 315. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. This week on the show, we have two reviews lined up for you with Isabella Eklov's Holiday and Madeline Sami and Jackie Van Beek's The Breaker Upperers. We'll also be talking about someone watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us today couple bits of housekeeping there is a new film pulse selects up on the site right now uh it's a short film called eta so be sure to check that out and then also uh the new episode of saved by the 90s should be up this week we're going to be recording the second part of that today and i'm very excited for y'all to hear that erotic thrillers oh boy very excited With that, I think we can jump into our first review. Why don't we, why don't we start with the toughie? Why don't we start with holiday and then we can end on a slightly higher note, a slightly more humorous note. Yeah. And you can kind of, cause that's the way in which I watched them too. And, uh, spoiler, the breaker uppers was a very nice palate cleanser. I did the opposite. So for me, oh, it was boy. it was a palate destroyer. <laughs> oh, I, des- I destroyed my palate by, wow. by watching the comedy first, then getting mm. into the very dark movie that is The Holiday. So, or that is Holiday, not The. No The. Uh, no The. Just, just Holiday. I have a synopsis here for Holiday. A love triangle featuring a trophy girlfriend of a petty drug lord caught up in a web of luxury and violence in a modern dark gangster tale set in the beautiful port city of Bodrum on the Turkish Riviera. As I said before, this is directed by Isabella Eklov, who wrote one of my favorite movies of last year, Border. So oh, was, okay. Yeah. So I was pretty excited to jump into this. I didn't know really anything about this. I knew that it it played Sundance last year when I was there, but I I missed it. And I didn't really read any reviews or anything. I didn't know anything about it except the the posters. The two main posters that I saw for this looked very intriguing, very colorful. You have the pinks and the blues. And I was kind of digging the look. And I suspected that it was going to have some sort of dark undercurrent in it. Just, just from those posters where in, in both of them, we see the, the main character, Victoria Carmen Sone, uh, with very bloody feet. And I was like, okay, something's going to happen in this movie. There's blood involved somewhere. Yeah. Some, something something terrible is going to happen. But I guess I really wasn't prepared for how kind of graphic mm-hmm. this this movie was. It's a pretty brutal movie. Like, not in that there's a lot of violence or anything. There's actually not a whole lot of violence at all. But when it does happen, it is so disturbing. And, and I... And I I guess the reason that I found it so disturbing is because it all seemed so real and 
that was very troubling to me as I was watching this. Yeah. Even so, like the synopsis says, you have this this main character named Sasha, and she's the girlfriend of this douchebag gangster guy. And early on the film, I I believe is it him in the car? Is is it him at the beginning where he slaps her, or is it one of his? No, it's his like it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's one of his like drug dealer associates and he slaps her right in the face. And just that's that scene alone at the beginning. Um, you know, we see, uh, there's a lot of movies where people get slapped, but for some reason in this one, it felt so real and awful. And it just gets worse from there. I think that just as a disclaimer, I think we can go ahead and say that there is a, a sexual assault that happens in this movie, which I didn't know. I didn't know about going into it, and it is uh, really difficult to watch. Yeah, it's really disturbing. Although I will say that overall, I I did think that the movie was very well crafted. I thought that it was well directed, and uh, I loved the sort of juxtaposition between the the scenic views where everything in this movie is very bright and very colorful and you have that juxtaposed with the just awful shit that this poor woman is going through yeah because what they're like they're like on like this small group the drug dealer and his like buddies are all on this holiday with their kids and it's like yeah, a family it's, it, holiday it's like type a, deal. It is. It's like a family vacation for this this drug dealing crew. Yeah. So there's that juxtaposition too, which makes it even more disturbing because there is like the wives and the kids are there. And you know, like their their picturesque vacation intermittently gets interrupted by them having to like beat the shit out of one of their associates. Or something along those lines. But the the thing that I thought was interesting right off the bat was, and I kind of appreciate this, is like they felt so American to me and how shitty they are. Like the, you know, the stereotypical American foreigners, but they're not American. Right. Swedish, I think. Danish, I think. Danish. Because the other the other group that they the two guys that she meets later Dutch, yes, yes. So that was like that was uh, kind of refreshing. Yeah, and, to see and that there's there's, <laughs> there's awful other people countries everywhere. Are shitty too. <laughs> yeah. So like early on, so it's it is it's interesting because to to sort of expand on what you said, a large portion of this movie is just them on vacation like lounging around the pool, going down to the beach, getting ice cream, going out to dinner. Like that's a big portion of this movie. And I think that that was very intentional the way that she crafted that. And so you have like the scene where they, they all, the whole clan goes down to the beach and they're playing music real loud. And somebody asks them to turn it down and they basically threaten him. And yeah, they're just pretty awful, <laughs> just pretty awful, inconsiderate people yeah. throughout the whole movie. Correct. And I did to speak more on the like the juxtaposition is 
the 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 main woman Sasha. And I think what makes this extremely, extremely disturbing, like everything that happens to her, is the way that she plays that character and the way that this character comes off is she seems really, really young. Like, I, I have no idea how young, but too young. And I thought the really two of the things that kind of bring this into, like, the highlights it is when they beat up the one associate you know they go into the other room and kind of like the rest of the the kids and the wives and the girlfriends go into the house and kind of like get away from it and when she's sitting there with the like the little boy watching cartoons or whatever and eating candy like she felt like she came across as like a young kid like she felt like she fit in more so there than the other aspect of mm-hmm. of where they are. So everything that happens from there makes it even more disturbing than it already is. Yeah. And there's also a scene early on when she he buys her some jewelry and just the way that she 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 does act very childlike yeah. in this when like she's picking out the jewelry and then like in the scene in the ice cream shop when she's trying to pick her flavors and stuff when she meets the, the, the Dutch guy for the first time. Yeah. She does seem very innocent in a lot of ways. Yeah. Which yes, like you said, makes it all the more disturbing to, to bear witness to, to what happens to her in this movie. Uh, and, and it's just, it's, it's a rough watch, no doubt, but I think in a lot of ways it, reflects a lot of probably the most common types of sexual assault that occur. You know, you, you have movies like irreversible or revenge where they sort of have this stylized, you know, attacks that happen that shouldn't be discounted in any way. But I think that a lot of the, assaults that occur in real life are similar to this, where this guy is in all intents and purposes, her boyfriend, but this was not a consensual act that happened. Mm. Mm. No. And I was just, I, I sent you a message on Slack last night. I was just struggling. I was just hoping so bad that what we saw was like simulated because I just, I I couldn't, I wasn't going to be able to handle it if it was not simulated. And I'm pretty sure it was. I mean, even if it is, it's still, I mean, it was still horrible. Yeah. No doubt. It's still. Yeah. I think the, I was, I was pretty much, I mean, as, as just a film viewer, at that portion of the movie when that starts, I was pretty much just like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to anymore. Like, I don't want to watch this movie anymore. You know, just being honest, like just as someone that watching a movie like that, that's that scene starts up and I'm just like, I don't want to do this. Like I, I don't want this to be my night. Yeah, I agree with you. And I felt the same way. And I, I don't think that anyone would any, I don't think anyone should have a reaction other than I don't want to watch this anymore. Like, yeah, yeah. I think it, w- it was a very, 
it was a very deliberately confrontational scene. It was long and it f- didn't, the, the camera was just static. It, you couldn't look away. It forced you yeah. to confront but, that scene. But it's something that bothers me because to me, it's a, a, a cheap provocation. And I think it, it really only works in that way with the majority of a, like a male audience that they can kind of be like, Oh, what? Wow. Oh, she's not moving the camera away, but we're just fixed here. All this is really unsettling. But I mean, if you think for a large majority of, you know, female audience, like that shit can just be like extremely traumatizing. And I just like, what I don't, I don't understand the point of these, these scenes and sequences, you know, I do. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. It's just a, a lot of complicated feelings with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like at one, in one breath, I would say, I don't need this in movies. I don't need to see this, but I think what the director is saying is we do need to see it. We do need to understand what people go through every day that, that are in relationships like this. And I understand that, but I think it's, I think we have to be a hundred percent honest in that it's really easy for me and you to say that it's really easy for me and you to say like, Oh yes, it needs to be in movies and it, it needs to be seen. And you know, it creates conversation and such, but if you know, it's easy for us to say that. Absolutely. I mean, we're I, never going to go through it. Well, hopefully not, but it, it, yeah, there's, I can, this movie is easily, uh, could easily trigger, you know, uh, past trauma in, Oh yeah. In, in, uh, any viewer who watches it, it's cause it is very, very difficult um that 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 scene yeah and that's not the only thing either there's other there's other things that happen in it too that's that's the big scene but there's other more subtle uh acts of abuse that this man perpetrates against her and it's it's very clear to see that she she's helpless in in doing anything about the situation that she finds herself in yeah, and I think it is because of that, the the age, not necessarily age, like as a number, but as she comes off, is you know she's uh, very naive, and like you said, that like there's an innocence to her that she doesn't like. Even with the talking to the the two Dutch guys, getting ice cream, like she's just being friendly, mm-hmm. but you know right off the bat those two guys, you know what's going on there. Yeah. yeah. As soon as you see it. Which, yeah, which will, which eventually leads to one of the other really shocking moments in, in the film. I'm not going to give that away. Uh, Cause that's, a, that would be a, a little bit of a spoiler, but that scene looked incredibly real as well. And I, like, I don't even know how they shot that because it looked so real to me. <laughs> Like, did that really, did, did he, did that actor like do that? Did he He, just, he, he agreed. Yep. I mean, 
did it not did it not look incredibly real to you like it did look it did look real the only thing that it that was um it felt like I, I don't know how i want to talk about this without spoiling it but it looked at certain for split seconds like it was sped up mm. to kind of mask what okay. was happening you know what i mean yeah maybe it was i didn't pick up on it i just was i think in shock at what was happening oh man overall though i think that this was uh i think this is a debut i think this is her is this her directorial debut she did a short film before this but this is her feature debut and i think uh, pretty solid pretty pretty solid feature debut good performances all around I thought that Victoria Carmen Sone did a pretty incredible job given what she had to probably go through to film yeah. that. It's a tough watch. Just know that going into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very. Uh, any she final thoughts it. on Holiday? I don't know. Like, I agree with you on a lot of things where I think it is a really strong debut. I think it is really well crafted. There's some great performances in there, but at the same time, I again, I just have a lot of complicated feelings regarding some of this stuff. And I just, I don't know. It's like I can't recommend it. I just can't. I can recommend it with the disclaimer of that one scene going into it. I feel like. I feel like I'm doing the movie a disservice by focusing on that one scene, but it is just, it's such a centerpiece moment of the film. Well, it informs so much of what happens afterwards, the subsequent actions. Yeah. Because there is this kind of like with her naivete is where she's having all these horrible things happening to her. And then there's this person that's not horrible. And then that changes yeah. and she, you know, she kind of reacts to it and it's like, she kind of unleashes this anger and rage on maybe, you know, cause she can't unleash it on the person that's perpetrating it the majority of the time. I also really liked how they did the, the scene when she was on the, the Vespa, the scooter, when the guys warning yeah. her about the scarf and then, cut to her on the ground that was I, great. I thought, yeah i thought that was a really yeah because and again that was a nice shot that because you had this unbelievable landscape in the background mm-hmm. that's just incredible and then you just have her <laughs> just getting the shit kicked out of her again uh that's holiday let's give this a score i think i'll give this a seven i get a seven out of ten okay i give it like a six six and a half maybe the, this is playing in limited release right now it's mm, i'm not really sure it's like this kind of staggered release that's happening with it okay so i would say check if you're in a major city just check to see if it's playing in your area Let's move on and talk about something a bit lighter. 
The Breaker Upperers. This came out on Netflix, directed by Madeline Sami and Jacqueline, Jackie Van Beek. I have a synopsis here. For the right price, BFFs Jen and Mel will ruthlessly end any romance, but when one grows a conscience, it threatens to derail their relationship. This was released on Taika Waititi's uh, label. Kevin, what'd you think of the Breaker Uppers? Um, <laughs> considering watching this after holiday, it really hit the spot. It was a very welcome watch. I've really welcomed the humor because I just find like New Zealand humor and especially because this is a really like in a lot of ways in the same vein as like Taika Waititi's work and Flight of the Concords and stuff where it's just there's just this wholesomeness to their comedy mm-hmm. where it's just it's just interactions really yeah and just the things that they say like it's never really that mean-spirited or anything and uh yeah i just i was just really to be i was really happy to be in that space considering the space that i was just in the night before sure with holiday <laughs> It just, it felt so good. Just felt great. You know, and I had my, my RTD with me and just enjoying the shit out of it. I I enjoyed this as well. I completely agree with you that, that the New Zealand comedy is, is definitely my style of, of comedy where it, the focus is really on the dialogue. You have this sort of whip smart dialogue that happens very fast, very fluid and very smart. And I think that it just, it works so tremendously well in a lot of these, these stories. I, I was watching the Wellington paranormal, which is sort of the spinoff from what we do in the shadows. And that, that show has a lot of that too. And in fact, a lot of the people, several of the people that are in this are in that show as well. Yes. And I just, I, I definitely love that style of comedy. I think Taika Waititi is the one who really brought that out into the, uh, out for an international audience. And I, I really enjoyed the premise of this. I think it's a pretty smart premise where you have these two women who have this, this small business, small business owners who. Entrepreneurs, (laughs) if you will. Yeah. They'll break up with, they'll, they'll break up, uh, couples for the, for or the right price. And Which I, is my favorite cool. thing about this is <laughs> like that. Really? That's all I knew going into this is they break mm-hmm. up. And in my head, I'm thinking, okay, it's kind of, you know, simple. They go and say, Hey, this person doesn't want to be with you anymore. And they, they collect their money and that's it. I didn't realize the lengths that they go to, which (laughs) is just a terrible idea. It's just the number one, it's just a bunch of needless expenses as a small business owner, really. And it's just way too much planning that they have to do. And I mean, at numerous, well, I don't know if it was numerous points, they kind of point out that New Zealand's small and you're going to run into each other. So a lot of this stuff just seems like it just wouldn't work. Also, 
I'm pretty sure that some of the stuff that they would do was illegal. Oh, yes. That, Very like, much so. I, I'm not sure you could impersonate a police officer and tell someone that the, that their their significant other is missing and presumed dead. <laughs> like that I'm just not sure that that's that's legal. Although I I absolutely love where that leads with the uh the initial the opening scene is them acting as police officers telling this this woman that her her husband is missing and her reaction the uncontrollable crying and how like as they would meet up with her later on in the movie there was just always the uncontrollable crying oh that was just just amazing and where that led you have uh james rolston in there who you may remember from boy didn't recognize him at first i was just like oh wait is that and i was like yeah it is (laughs) I thought I thought the same thing. I was like, it has to, be. it has to be him. Who else yeah. would it be? And man, is he dumb in this movie? Oh, he's so funny. <laughs> he calls her Melon. He thinks her name's Melon. Oh, Jesus! I didn't think it was just like structurally. I didn't think it was the greatest. I thought that it had. It did have issues. It definitely had issues. I mean, it has kind of the issue that most comedies have, and we've talked about this constantly with comedies. There comes a certain point where it kind of, the laughs per minute just nosedives, and it becomes about like learning something, mm-hmm. or the characters learning a lesson. But yeah. I think I did. here they did, they did do a good, a, a decent job of, kind of keeping the comedy throughout, but there was a, you know where the drop off comes. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. I thought that there were some pacing issues and I just didn't think that it was, it didn't look great. I felt like it looked more like a TV show than a actual film, which again, doesn't really detract from the overall experience very much because you know, you're there for the comedy, you're there for the humor. And it didn't detract from any of those things. I thought that the characters were funny and well-developed. I will say, though, that there's one point where they do incorporate some style, and I thought it worked just absolutely fantastic, is when they go on the party bus and she does <laughs> karaoke, she does something Dion. That was, yeah. <laughs> she keeps looking at the, the stupid videos that they make for karaoke. Yeah. And she keeps seeing herself in there. And then we go into the karaoke video. Uh, that was just, I love that so much. That was pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, it just, it looked, it looked so perfect. I, I feel like they could easily adapt this into a TV show as well oh yeah it would definitely Uh, work as a tv show because you have endless possibilities with this with different jobs and the different people mm -hmm. and especially how it ends too i think they could definitely i want to see more of mel and jen's antics i love their antics (laughs) just the scene in the police station how they were like okay they're just they're gonna see this thing through. They're gonna just they're gonna play it out. They're gonna commit to it. You gotta yep. commit. 
I mean, they knew Dirty Tony. <laughs> Dirty Tony. <laughs> Why? Why did they go to the police station? <laughs> they I don't, just yeah. drive around. I know. I like. I don't. I don't understand why they weren't just like, yeah, we're on patrol. Like, we can't have you come along with us. We're on patrol. Let alone with a bottle of vodka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hang on. Let me grab my vodka. Good lord. Yeah, it was uh, very very funny. Lots of really great one-liners. Lots of. It's a very quotable movie. I think that. It, on subsequent rewatches, you'll pick up on a lot of the really funny lines. I mean, especially from the the dude from Boy Jordan, his name is the some of the lines that he spouted were just gold, just gold. <laughs> like she's she's persuasive, like a persuasive flower. Oh God. The and the scene, there's there's also one scene when they're when they're about to do because because Jordan hires them to to break up with his girlfriend, <laughs> and there's a scene where they're about to do it. They're getting ready. They're sort of staking staking him out, and he's playing rugby. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a scene where so one of the characters sort of falls falls for him. Uh, Mel, she sort of falls for this guy and there's a scene when she's watching him play and he picks up like a bottle of Coke and there's like that slow motion scene and he's pouring Coke all over his face and head. (laughs) It was just, I was losing it. I was cracking up so bad when he's pouring that Coke all over his fucking face. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. Very, very funny stuff. I, it's a movie that I don't know will stick with me till the end of the year or anything. Um, I'll probably forget a lot about it, but just as sort of a light, fun watch, it's well worth it. I no, and I definitely agree with you. And I think it it could also be one of those where you know it doesn't really stick with you, but that could play in its benefit on a rewatch, where you absolutely kind of like forget how how funny and enjoyable it was. Yeah. I I could easily see myself coming back before the end of the year and rewatching this just when I'm looking for a laugh. Cause I feel like there's just, there's so few new comedies that come out that really, that really grab me. Yeah. And I just love all of them in the bathroom doing the cocaine. Yeah. But it wasn't really cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. And I don't, you know, I mean, some of the comedy didn't didn't necessarily work. No, like, not all the comedy worked, obviously. But at the same time, it wasn't the type of situation where the comedy, the stuff that didn't work felt, you know, felt really flat for me. I mean, overall, it was pretty, it was pretty damn enjoyable the whole way through. It was, yeah, I mean, there were some more kind of grosser, raunchier bits to it, almost, you know, like, uh, like Broad City style. And I, and I love it when we have female comics being, who, who aren't afraid to go the, 
the raunchy route. And I hope that we see more of that. I hope the, the glass ceiling has been broken as far as female comics being able to do raunchy humor and have that be okay. Yeah. I mean, there's like the, the she jokes about like, or I guess it's kind of supposed to be a joke that, you know, her not being able to, what the fuck was it called? The vulva vaginaitis or something. <laughs> she gave it to really this like ridiculously technical name. Yeah. And she's like, ah, oh, it's just a common yeast infection. Yeah. Uh, and stuff. I don't know why, but Jordan's Jordan's RTDs, his ready to drink drinks. RTDs, yeah. <laughs> why is my throat pink? Oh, I spilled my RTD. Fucking uh, <laughs> RTD. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> On drinks, ready to drink. <laughs> what is a non-RTD? Do they have non-RTDs? And what, like, would that be tea? Maybe you're like, maybe like a powdered drink. Yeah. Okay. Good times. And again, this is you know some of the we've got, we've talked about before, but for me where where i ended up seeing this you know in my timeline of movie watching you know gives this a little bump because if mm-hmm. i just watch this you know with like other in the in the midst of other comedies and maybe better comedies i might just be sitting here like hey you know it's all right it's not that bad eh. but if given what i was watching this was just like a, just a welcome respite for me Sure. Yeah, I could see it as being a really good palate cleanser. Yeah. If only I did that as well. <laughs> if only. Uh, all right. What are you thinking on a score for the Breaker Uppers? I give it like a like a seven. Solid, nice solid seven. I'm sitting at a seven on this one as well. Good stuff. Check it out. It's on Netflix. This was another stealth release from Netflix. I didn't know that this was coming out. Threw it out there. Yeah. Had no idea. Thanks a lot. Good job, Netflix. <laughs> Which, and in another, the, this, again, we talk about Netflix a lot, but this is really bizarre to me in that my, uh, you know, viewing history on Netflix includes numerous New Zealand comedies. So you would think that with their great almighty algorithm, that it would show up like, hey, Kevin, we think you might enjoy this movie because it happens to be a New Zealand comedy, which you've watched numerous ones of. But no, I had to search for it. No, nah, it just wants you to watch Great British Bake Off or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's like, my my, my uh, list has so many like baking shows and reality shows. And I I don't think I ever watched a reality show on Netflix ever. Well, yeah, because for me, like my mom has stayed at my house a couple of times when we like when we go out of town and stuff. And, you know, she'll watch like Criminal Minds or something. And that's just like once once every like six months or something. And that's all my recommendations are. Is every type of CSI and criminal minds and <laughs> oh, all. Oh, God. Shit. And it's like, I don't fucking watch this stuff ever. Terrible. 
All right. Let's talk about some of we're watching on the watch list. Uh, Kevin, I think we'll start it with you this week. Uh, I'll talk about one that I just finished today. That's Pet Cemetery from 1989. Oh, Mary man. Lambert. The classic. Pet Cemetery. Oh, boy. Uh, I don't remember anything about this movie. Okay, so it's a rewatch, but not necessarily a rewatch mm-hmm. in any sense. Uh, it's far more violent than I remembered it being. I don't remember it being. I mean, the the kid that comes back, mm. he's really creepy. Mm-hmm. And also, I just how do you not watch your kid? I mean, you know the road with the trucks. And numerous times your kid almost dies because you just ignore him. But that kid comes back. He just full on slices Herman yeah. Munster's Achilles heel. Just just cuts that bad boy right open. I don't remember a lot from that movie either because it's been many, many years since I've seen it. But I will never forget that scene when he's under the bed and he slices that ankle with a scalpel. Oh my god! So it just that, that, that scene rocked me. Yeah, that's so disturbing. And then, you know, Herman Munster fall, falls to the floor, and he's like, "Oh no, God, help me!" Then he gets sliced across the mouth, cuts him open, each the killer style, where it's like his whole mouth is open now. And then you have a zombie toddler. He's like, what, two? He's like two or three years old. Very young. He's got the fucking zombie toddler baby teeth. And he rips out Herman Munster's throat with his teeth. And they're just, cameras just on it. Let's just watch this little zombie kid rip out his throat. I just, holy shit. And then he kills his mom. Just kills his mom. Just kills her. <laughs> Dad, I love that he wakes up. I wish that someone needs to make like a short gif of that of him falling out of bed because the way he yells is so ridiculous. Then he makes his morphine thanks, and then he fights his little toddler kid that's the devil now with his scalpel. And man, they just go at it. And that kid got like superhuman strength out of nowhere, and then he just jammed kid in the throat with a needle. Oh, it's really, uh, it's really disturbing. Mm-hmm. And the, the production design is actually pretty great in this. Like when he first goes into Judd's house and there's like, it's all like decayed and there's moss everywhere and the fog, like, and the, the whole pet cemetery, like the path and everything. Mm-hmm. It looks, it, it, it's pretty fantastic looking. I mean, this is, it's ridiculous, but it's ridiculous in all the right places. And it's got that, you know, it's violent enough. It just, it, it all works so well, I think. And the now, cat is so damn creepy with the eyes. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So my question for you is, does this make you want to see the new one? Are you interested in the new one? No. Because I know it's not going to be like this. They're not going to be showing no toddler and even if they do, they're not going to do it right. I don't know. I I heard some I heard some interesting things about the new one that they they go to some pretty dark places with it. Okay. That it, that right. it's 
that it could be even darker than the original. I mean, with the with it, that was one of the surprises from it was how dark it was. Like, you know, the beginning with the arm and everything. Yeah, that's true. But I, I don't know. I, if they do it right, like here, here to me, it works so well because it's kind of unexpected. Like it just, you know, cause it feels kind of cheesy and really like nineties feel to it mm-hmm. and just ridiculous. And you're just like, well, this is just incompetent. And then, you know, there's like flashes of brilliance there where it's just like, oh shit, I was not expecting that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have no expectations for the the new one i'm not nearly as hyped on on it as i was for it but yeah i'll go into it and keep an open mind for sure yeah i'm gonna have to check that out then all right that is pet cemetery the i've been watching a lot of uh these erotic thrillers so stay tuned for our episode of saved by the 90s for the bulk of what i've been watching this week I did rewatch, however, Takeshi Meike's Audition. Oh, yeah. This came out this week on Arrow Blu-ray, and uh, they were kind enough to send me a copy. And I, I, this movie is, it's not a movie that ever sort of leaves my mind. It's, it's one of those movies that just sticks with you forever. So... Mm-hmm. When I rewatched it in preparation for writing up a review, I was just like, first of all, I was like, do I need to rewatch this? Do I even need to revisit this movie? Do I want to put myself through it? And ultimately, I was like, yes, I need to try to be professional, watch the whole thing and see. Because this is a this is a new remaster. It, okay. it turn it so it turns out that when the the original when after they f- shot it they had it ended up playing so many festivals and it was the same film that was used going from festival to festival that it actually wore out and had a lot of uh problems with it the original negatives so arrow remastered the whole thing from those original negatives and cleaned it up honestly it doesn't look that much better than the DVD version that I remember watching back in the day, but mm-hmm. it still looks, I think as good as it, it can. This is a movie that definitely holds up over time. Uh, uh, it's still incredibly intense, incredibly, and even though you know that it's what's going to happen, it still makes you squirm. And mm-hmm. it, it's sort of, reignited this this spark in me to start diving deeper into into these uh asian films so like every year we we cover several asian film festivals on the site and so a couple times a year I'll dive into asian cinema and this this makes me want to just dive right back into it before these festivals cuz man it just brought me back to that time when we first sort of discovered Asian cinema and just dove in head first into into that world. And I think that we were really we were just really fortunate because after researching 
Mieke's filmography and sort of his career path, it that right around when we started getting into it, that's when he started blowing up. I mean, that's that's when audition came around, and that's audition is the movie that sort of made made him an international name. Okay. He only released so he released Audition, Dead or Alive One, and I think it was Ley Lines. It was the final it was the final entry in his uh triad what is it? Chi- triad Society or whatever the mm-hmm. yeah, trilogy yeah, yeah. was. Black Society trilogy. The he released those three all at once and they all three of them played festivals like a, a lot of genre festivals and stuff picked him up and that's what sort of launched his career because before that he made a bunch of movies but they were all sort of straight to video things that never they really sure were that they, they sure didn't were. in in later years they would leave japan but at the time they were pretty much just released in in japan and yeah so those those three movies are really what launched his career big time and i remember we went to the charles and saw the poster for audition and i was just like oh man i have to see that movie and i think it wasn't until like a year later that i actually saw it when it when it came out on dvd because i think that was during our time of just just me and you on ebay just oh that looks good buy it oh that looks good buy it yeah and i and think I, we came across that when we were like oh that's that movie we've been wanting to see yeah and i remember the the version that i had the the dvd version that i had was really good i remember it was like a really good it had like a cool case and it was it had like bonus features because a lot of those dvds that we bought back then were just so sketchy like i'm not even sure that some of them were like yeah. actual releases <laughs> pretty sure there was a lot of bootlegs in there yeah, there was definitely bootlegs in there because there was a couple where you would like <laughs> you looked at the you know the the credit sheet at the bottom or whatever, and I was like, I don't think that's the right movie. Yeah, I don't think these people are in this movie. Yep. Anyway, uh, revisiting audition was uh, was definitely good. There's a lot of cool bonus features on the Blu-ray. Not quite as many as I would have liked coming from Arrow, but there is a commentary track from Mieke and there's an interview with him as well, talking about making the movie and its release and stuff. And the source materials is based on a uh, Ryu Murakami novel. If you saw the movie Piercing, which came out recently, that's actually based on a Murakami novel as well. Okay. The one with, uh, yeah, the one with Mia Wasikowska. And when you see that movie, you'll very quickly be like, oh, yeah, this is definitely a Murakami story. It all makes sense. All coming together. Yeah. So anyway, I can definitely recommend picking up Audition on Arrow Blu-ray. Hell yeah. Burlap sacks. Burlap sacks. That, that scene, the first scene with the burlap sack, when it like moves and there's like sort of like a roar sound that comes out of it. Mm-hmm. scared. Scared the shit out of my dog so bad. Yes. It really freaked him out. I only have one other movie that I watched, and that's Bush Mama. 
from 1979. It actually, it was released in 1979. Uh, it was actually made in 1975. And this is uh, directed by Haile uh, Karima. And this was uh, his thesis project for UCLA. Uh, Charles Burnett is one of the camera operators and it stars Barbara O, oh, who had large role in uh, Daughters of the Dust. And this movie, so this is black and white. You can tell it's made by like a newcomer because it just has a wealth of ideas, just so much going on. It has this very bizarre rhythm to it. Maybe not bizarre is the right term, but it's just, it's very, it has its own singular rhythm to it where I've not really seen this in other movies where it's just kind of all over the place. Um, it's really fragmented. He's essentially just throwing every stylistic choice he can think of and just trying to do all of them. Just trying to do it all. And the majority of them work. It's, it's, really, uh, it's a really fascinating watch. And it's it's this couple, Dorothy and TC. TC gets falsely accused. He goes to prison. And while he's in prison, he kind of writes letters to her and talking about his time in there. And he's kind of like coming to, to see the light and he's kind of becoming radicalized. And the way in which he films uh, the prison sequences are great. It's just the, the guy that plays TC is kind of doing his his voiceover and it's just this tracking shot going cell to cell and just you know stopping on all these black faces in jail and dorothy is she's just more so focused on trying to get her welfare check trying to take care of her daughter um and just she doesn't really have time for politics and kind of you know speaking of revolution and those types of deal not really interested in that she's just trying to get by day to day but then like as the movie goes on and she kind of hears more and more bits and pieces here and there and then she's kind of forced into it by something that happens to her daughter and she essentially at the end becomes radicalized too and it's just it's a ton of ideas um, you can feel that this is made by someone that just there's like a lot of anger and outrage. They just have a lot of things that they want to say. So it kind of comes out like a mess because there's just so much. But at the same time, that's that's exactly why it works so well and why mm. it's so great. It's because it is kind of all over the place. There's just this, you know, I can't think of the word for it right now. Where it's just it like it's not organized and you almost don't want it to be. It just okay. it works better. It works better like this, where it's kind of this like chaos to it. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's just it's great. You gotta see Bush Mama. I'll check it out. I haven't seen check anything. It. I haven't seen anything from this director. Ashes and Embers is another one that's really, really good. That movie's incredible. Might have to dive into this. This guy he doesn't have a lot of movies yeah. out. No, he doesn't, unfortunately. But I've seen two, and both of them have been incredible to me. So, gotta see the other ones. Gotta catch them all. 
All right, let's take a look at some new releases. Not a whole lot going on this week. We got How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, I think. It's cut off. What is it? Yeah, it is The Hidden World. I thought that already came out. It There was some kind of like sneak preview uh, release thing that they did. They did the same thing with the Lego movie, too. It was playing here, I think, last week. Okay. But... The full actual release everywhere is this week. Gotcha. That's pretty much it for <laughs> big <laughs> releases. That's the only wide release that I'm yeah. seeing here. There's some smaller releases, including the changeover, the iron orchid run the race. That's it. Wow. Very light week. Gonna have to find something else to do. Yeah. VOD this week. Also very light week. We have the Maestro on Tuesday. And then on Friday, we have the changeover. And then Blu-ray. Got some got some good ones here. Overlord is one of them. I would recommend checking that out. The Star is Born coming out on Blu-ray. Uh-huh. I'd probably skip that one. Don't believe the hype, as they say. Robin Hood, the new one that I heard is... Jane Fox one. I heard that is quite bad. Uh, the Legend of Billy Jean from 1985 getting a new Blu-ray release. Okay. Barbed Wire from 1996. Oh, wow. <laughs> I remember watching that on a sleepover. Like one of my very first sleepovers when I was in middle school. They rented. <laughs> you, guys, you guys went to Hollywood Video. Well, no, there was like, they, wire. it was like already... They they preemptively did that. Like it was already there. We watched Barbed Wire and Species. Oh shit! They yeah, had, they were planning it. Mm-hmm. Seventh grade. Wow. Uh, wow. It's Hard Target from 1993 getting a new Blu-ray release. Color Color Me Blood Red is coming out on Arrow. I believe that's a Herschel Gordon Lewis film from 1965. Okay. That's pretty much it. Wow. There's <laughs> yeah. There are a few like re-releases that are coming out, including Identity Thief, Wonderlust, Hellboy 2, The Watcher from 2000, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, Trainwreck, The Change-Up. Looks like a lot of comedies are getting re-released. Mm. The Five-Year Engagement, As Above, So Below, the horror movie getting a new yep. release. Cop Car, White Noise from 2005, End of Watch, Chef. Just a lot of re-releases. The hell? The Flintstones from 1994. Yeah, so pretty crappy week coming up here. Hmm. Maybe Netflix will have some choice offerings for us to sink our teeth into. Well, you won't know. Until next Friday. (laughs) Unfortunately, that is true. (laughs) What about Criterion? Is anything coming out on Criterion this week? Got one Criterion coming out, and that's Lucino Visconti's uh, Death in Venice from 1971, based on the Thomas Mann novella. So, Doc, on the director, you got a 1970 short about casting, 2006 interview with the costume designer, 
Uh, you got a 1971 interview with the director and a 1970 short documentary behind the scenes doc. So wow. you got all sorts of little little things in there. Loaded up. Good stuff. Filled, filled to the brim. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to feedback at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Thank you.